little word of warning that this podcast contains swears and use of explicit sexual language. Therefore, it is not suitable for anyone under the age of 18 or anyone who thinks that a bit of dirty talk involves moaning about your washing. Welcome back to The Smut Drop. This is your weekly roundup to the more eccentric side of sex and relationships from metro.co.uk. I'm Miranda Kane and on this week's show I'll be looking at how to make your friends with benefits situation work out, speaking to Ness Cooper about the science of dirty talk and I'll be reading your filthy phone sex stories. Please rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your finest of podcasts and I hope you're ready because I charge by the minute. Hello, 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 dear listener. Now, you all know what friends with benefits are, don't you? Come on, it's no string sex with a pal. Have you tried it? Does it really work? I'm not so sure it's the right thing for me. I know that I've tried it several times and I have completely failed. I've ended up losing the friends and getting none of the benefits. I'm rubbish. So I looked in the uh, the little archives of Metro co.uk and I found an article called How to Have Drama-Free Friends with Benefits. So Julia Kotiamani, a love, sex and relationship coach, she says that friends with benefits are usually set with a focus on trust and not commitment. The idea being that you can trust your friends more than a stranger when being intimate and there's enough openness and respect between you to be honest about what you want. Sounds great. That sounds, but I would love that. So where am I going wrong? Well, Julia has pointed out many reasons, <laughs> all of which I can pretty much hold my hand up to. Uh, she says, first of all, lack of honesty. Am I really being honest about what I want? Am I being honest to myself? Am I being honest to them? And I am not going to lie. I have used a friends with benefits excuse in the hopes of making it yeah, you know, a bit more than mates. <laughs> and with twenty twenty hindsight, even I know that that way madness lies. Julia points out that we need to also make sure we consider sorting out what our boundaries are. And we need to definitely consider what happens when one of us or both of you might catch feelings. So how can we make this work? Well, she says you've got to be honest from the get-go. If you're not honest about your intentions or your boundaries, things are going to get sticky. But it's just as important to be honest with yourself and be clear about what your intentions are. Her next tip is to make sure you practice safe sex. Oh, this should be an absolute given. It doesn't matter whether you know about your friend's sex life or not. Just make sure that you've got everything covered, please. Oh, it's 2023. Why do I have to keep telling you this? Have regular check-ins with each other. This is so important. Make sure you talk to each other. Make sure you're still at the same level. After all, like any relationship, dynamics can change. 
and don't neglect your friendship. After all, there's a reason you started this with that person. Julia says that the reason you are even considering this is because you already have an established platonic dynamic, which is why it's important to not lose sight of that just because there is an additional layer of sex. And finally, sit down and decide whether it's really worth the risk. Moving from a friendship to a friends with benefit relationship can lead to a lot of hurt or even just a completely different dynamic. There's a chance that it doesn't work out to be what you both hoped and usually that involves one or both of you catching feelings. Well, hopefully that has helped you understand where you've been going wrong. Or, right, maybe you've ended up in a relationship with each other. Maybe you went really, really well and you're still fabulous friends. I'd love to know. I love having all these little bits of random advice. And hopefully we're going to get a lot more from this week's guest. Ladies and gentlemen, gays and theys, this week's guest is here to chat about one of my favourite things to do whilst keeping all my clothes on for a change. Talking dirty can come in many forms, from sneaky sex to hot priests making the nation collectively gasp with a well-placed kneel. But what is the science behind it? Here to tell me about all the things you didn't know about sexy talk, it's clinical sexologist Ness Cooper. Hello, Ness. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. I'm good, thank you. So, first of all, let's talk about being a clinical sexologist. What is that? So, basically, I'm just someone who's specialised in sex and relationships. I've spent 15 years uh, studying. Um, I've studied in sex education, therapy, coaching, even some sexual health. And I've even studied with Kinsey and just all around the world. And pretty much it just clumps you together all those specialities of human sexuality into clinical sexologists it seems what is kinsey it's come up quite a couple of times with other guests before so kinsey is like one of the leading research uh, institutes of human sexuality and and it's like kind of where we started to get a lot of our known sex and relationship information from because before then it wasn't really looked into that much uh, before they were set up. I've forgotten the date when they were set up now. So that's all right. It's all right. It's not mastermind. Don't worry. Oh, I'd be terrible at mastermind. So let's talk about dirty talk, sexy talk, sexy chat, filthy chat. <laughs> where did you where did you start looking into the science of dirty talk? So originally, I actually started looking into the science of dirty talk when I was actually quite young, probably like late teens when I started actually training in um, sex education and things and uh, it was actually Tracy Cox's book that I first was introduced to the idea of Tate Talk. Being a teenager I had no idea still how it worked or anything even with a book or a manual and now into my 30s I've got a better understanding. Uh, I did some training like um, with like some of the coaching institutes uh, which went a bit further in it and then I also worked as an assistant for a sex worker in the past as well where I did the writing content for her on demand and I had to do dirty talk like very quickly to different people and things and that that was quite interesting I I actually did that to uh, whilst I was studying at Kinsey as well so I'd go from like an because being in the UK Kinsey being uh, at 
uh, in America, it's like all the classes were in the middle of the night at midnight. So I'd go from uh, doing this online dirty talk kind of getting this uh, sex worker money then straight into Kinsey I was quite exhausted actually and then learned more about the science of course about human sexuality there <laughs> so <laughs> I mean talk about going from the fire pan into the fire no other way round <laughs> from the fire then just nicely sizzling in the frying pan what kind of things were you writing for the sex worker were you doing like erotica stuff or so I have written erotica in the past and I did get a piece published in Cosmopolitan and I used to host an erotic book club as well in Norwich uh, but uh, it was like kind of like finding people's inner desires, like the deeper psychology behind what they wanted, because it wasn't just mm. as simple as saying I'm turned on or I've got big boobs or, you, you know, it, it was all individual and different. And you'd find some people mm. would get turned on about like it, it'd be fabrics, it'd be like certain scenes, ideas, sometimes like being in situations which they're not allowed to because of like their relationship, their work or their even culture. And that uh, there was one person who was from a country where it was illegal to be how he wanted sexually. So he came to that particular sex worker and I was pretending to be that sex worker as I did her admin and assistant work and thing and to get that fulfillment but if anyone found out it could have actually been quite severe um the consequences well I just what an absolute legend I wish I'd thought of that outsourcing for your kinky content I wish I'd done that it's a way <laughs> forward it really is <laughs> if anyone wants to do that for me, you could sign up now. Oh man, I'm ten years too late to get an outsourced to someone. Oh, you you could still do it. <laughs> I should, shouldn't I? I will. I'll think about it. Are you still available? Otherwise, no. Don't worry. No. <laughs> <laughs> doing a proper job now you don't need to talk dirty for me I was still doing that job and I was like I'm I'm not discounting like adult work and the adult industry and that it's just I do prefer doing like uh, consultancy and therapy work a lot more I find it a lot more rewarding in myself I think there's something so much to be said for being in the field. I think like a lot of people should do that, like go to the coalface and see what it is like when you are faced with all these kinky desires like in the real world. Do you know what I mean? Rather than than just thinking, oh, I can stat my way out of this. No, it's it's so much weirder when you are talking to those guys and gals and gays and gays with their kinky little desires and figuring out what they like. But I want to talk about the science because there is a reason why they like it. Tell me. I didn't realise. I thought it was just like, you know, they, people just get aroused by it and that's it. That's job done. So where where does the science bit come into it? So there's a, still only a little research on Dirty Talk, but the research behind it uh, shows that when we talk dirty to a partner, it increases how we bond and connect with each other. It helps us release certain hormones such as oxytocin and dopamine. We all love a bit of dopamine. Mm. And um, it also increases testosterone, which most people think, oh, that's uh, like gendered specific hormone when it comes to sex, but it's actually beneficial for most people 
people who enjoy orgasms because it does help you along your way of getting that orgasm so it's quite interesting how it interacts in the brain and it's hard to get the right thing for individuals and some of this is because we have a lot of uh, cultural shame and stigma as well so we're a bit nervous about admitting what we like said to us Sometimes we have to work through that to make sure that we can feel comfortable to express ourselves sexually and our vulnerabilities. Mm. In relationships, it can seem like we have amazing dirty talk straight away because we often have a more connected kind of symbiosis. And that often starts fading about from six months to two years, depending on the relationship where we work out we have individual needs and likes and wants and not so much meshed together. So some people may find that they're so great at talking dirty to their partner at the early stages and then they get a bit lost like years down the line because they're still like adapting and learning how to be themselves in the relationship and there's a lot of nervousness around that Mm. and also their partner's probably in the same boat so they people can go for a while whilst they reconnect and learn how to be themselves individually whilst still having a joint relationship self-identity before they can have amazing dirty talk again I mean it sounds like what you're saying is like just because the dirty talk may have fizzled out in a relationship that doesn't mean it's necessarily the end it means that you're both becoming your own person individually rather than having to rely on this kind of platform yeah so basically that it's important that we have our own individual selves still as well rather than let's say having that honeymoon period continuously because you can't live like codependently upon each other for the rest of our lives and when you start to learn who you are and who your partner is as a unique individual a bit more and you still have your relationship identity together you can then um, develop actually hotter dirty talk that's more unique hits more of like the fantasy spots and like those desires and things it can also then help you self-soothe when you're apart because you've got those memories that you're reinforcing that connection and stuff with that dirty talk as well when you're apart and you can then also co-regulate each other sexually a lot better co-regulate tell me what about co-regulating each other sexually that sounds like something i do when i'm putting a pan on to boil we shouldn't continuously for every situation rely on other people to regulate us through situations but it's like it helps us uh, relax into the situation when we do find someone we can co-regulate with it helps us be vulnerable it helps us be ourselves it helps us be safe it helps us navigate and negotiate consent better and it just it makes our experience more authentic to what we want what our partners need you know it's just like the sexual experience is just more authentic all around and more enjoyable yeah so co-regulation I guess it just means like do you mean like being in a relationship with someone I'm not very good with big words Ness (laughs) okay uh so co-regulation not everyone in a relationship can co-regulate each other you get a lot of couples who do have like uh moments where they find it hard to be like at one let's say uh or in present and at one present yes yeah 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 I see I see um let's go back to the very beginning because for me like when I think of of dirty talk and um sexy chat and all that I think of phone sex now 
is that still a thing? Because we live in a day and age of Zoom calls and people are video phoning each other as much as they are. People don't call each other. So is phone sex still a thing? Phone sex is still a thing. It's still very popular in the adult industry as well. So people are still running very financially successful phone sex businesses. I know it's uh, it's actually more popular like outside of the UK, it seems. Like in America, they seem to love like lots of things done on the phone. Like they love telehealth. They love of like uh, phone health and that and also like everything else to do with phones it's a lot more than we do but um i do notice that there is uh, some issues with, with some with phone sex like you're right technology has moved on in that but we're also being becoming more aware that not everyone likes phone calls and particularly neurodivergent individuals they don't always like phones so um i think some people like to see uh facial expressions uh, hands expressions and stuff like that a lot more but it's still very good and voice notes are i've kind of replaced phone sex if so really god see this is how long it's been since i tried this with anyone voice notes weren't even a thing back in my day we were still trying to ponder whether emojis were sexy which i'm still not too sure about they emojis can be sexy like if you're doing like phone (laughs) sex dirty talk and that and you decide to go text-based on that emojis can work because it's like there's a social connection that helps in the brain basically helps you visualize and helps put you in also the other person's shoes but um it it can be tricky sometimes with like emojis or memes and stuff because if you've got like a different background well we all do but some of it will be culturally specific some of it be like generational specific that you've learned from family and stuff like that of how you see things but yeah, no, no, there, there is actually proof about emojis are helping you not connect on phone sex, but just connect emotionally with people. So. Ah, see, I, I would always prefer to do sexting rather than phone sex. But I think that's basically because I've got the lungs of Brian Blessed. So I don't sound sexy on the phone. <laughs> I sound like I'm Oliver Reed. <laughs> like I'm, <laughs> my booming voice, this is not a sexy voice net. I'm, I'm sure some people find it very attractive and that and <laughs> but I don't know my brain is all going like back into like this is just like a side way of like where my poor tv viewing when I was younger came from but black books I remember that episode when uh, Fran was just like listening and to, she rang up the guy who sounds he does the voice of Darth Vader is it or something oh, and, yeah. and she, she finds him really sexy in that so it's like someone out there will find it sexy <laughs> At the shipping forecast, yeah. wasn't there one where? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you have to love the British when they find the shipping forecast to turn on. <laughs> but I don't think a booming Brian Blessed voice with a bit of a southwest twinge is going to do it for anyone. All right, boy, get on the floor. I'm th- no, that's I, I, not. <laughs> I don't know. You just got to market yourself, right? And you'll you'll find someone. I do. <laughs> There she is. There's the girl that worked for the sex worker. That's what I like to hear. (laughs) Market yourself. Yes, USP. Well done. That's good. Well, when you are talking dirty, what things work well? Let's go. Let's let's see what works well. You know, when you're sexting or talking, what what are the what are your little tips? So basically, I'm just going to say that whatever you say, it may feel embarrassing to you, but it's got to be okay. Basically, even if something doesn't go 100%, just laugh it off and keep trying again and again. Yeah. Phrases, 
phrases are really hard to actually just um pick out because it's like you see loads like on like social media of like people trying to like hook up and stuff and there's like some generic things like I'm feeling like ready for you and stuff like that but I think it's more rather than specific phrases is like getting your motivation across to the individual like what you want what you feel the emotions and that that that's what makes a dirty talk actually a winner how would that be in practical wise so you just take it slow you don't rush into it you don't like say like oh i want to make you come straight away or something you don't focus on like the finale at the beginning yeah and it's like you work in a bit of foreplay because dirty talk is all about foreplay in the sense as well and it's part of it and if the goal is like to make your partner come or yourself come or both you two and that, not that it has to be, but it's like also afterwards, don't just jump straight into like everyday conversation, like do some aftercare. Even Dirty Talk needs some aftercare, I think. Oh, yeah. I never really thought about that. Yeah. It is weird when you just like the climax has happened and then you're just like, oh, so drink on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> And what about if you've just met someone? So, you know, say we've just had Valentine's, uh, you've met someone, a little cheeky singles get together, something like that, uh, and you want to step up the chat. How would you start stepping up the chat into a bit of dirty texting? So if you've like decided that you want to take things further and that's okay with the other person, I wouldn't rush yourself too much all the time. When I say take a while, I'm most people think instantly half an hour they should be understanding my how to read my text messages responding and that's there's quite a lot of that instant gratification we have going on I mean give yourself a few Mm. days to slowly ease into it make sure that you remember to also have everyday conversations like in between don't just automatically it's like the same don't jump start into like from sexy chat into everyday chat don't like jumpstart from a relationship which had everyday conversation into just sexy chat like have a nice balance where you still like talk to each other as individuals because that's where you're gonna like learn what actually helps makes that person tick like are they going to be relaxed right now have they had a stressful day at work if they had a really bad day at work dirty talk might not be a good thing to start that on that particular conversation going and stuff so those are like the important things and just take it slow even just just ask i would you be up for dirty talk it's like more people need to just be like blunt and ask sometimes because then you're getting the consent as well and finding if it's a yes or no at that stage and sometimes that's arousing in itself. Like, I think, you know, there's a, a, when you're talking about jumping straight to the, the climax, for me, sometimes it just starts right at the very beginning with like, oh, I really enjoyed this thing we did the other day. Or do you know what I mean? Where it was, it's just something nice. <laughs> it's like that mighty yeah. what's wrong with a kiss, boy? <laughs> like, we don't have to go straight into the climax. No, um, I do actually recommend to people, like, if you're struggling with dirty talk, just remember something that you enjoy doing with that person. Make sure that that memory is of that person. Though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I get a bit awkward otherwise. But uh, it's like, that's how it could be like, oh, I had a nice time kissing you. And then go into a bit of detail, like how it made you feel like, did it make you feel hot? Did it make you blush? Did it make you think of other things? And like, 
just go on from there and build on it a bit and then that gives them a bit of insight that whilst you were you're remembering something that you did previously with them that you really enjoyed so it's like building on that memory and also it helps you expand further that you like that so that helps for the future when you meet up again so it makes that hotter in the future and um it just makes someone aware that oh they really were there they were present they really did like being with me and things and I think that's important when you want to feel sexy and hot as well like someone actually like you said already uh being present and you know even if you do get your names mixed up in your phone book then that's a great way of finding out whether that person's into cook holding or not that's a really swift lesson isn't it i really <laughs> really enjoyed that stuff i did with tony <laughs> sorry dave um <laughs> when is there a time when you're talking to your patients is there a time when you prescribe dirty talk i have done in the past uh particularly for like long distance relationships i find it's very beneficial because it's hard to get that connection I find we all uh, have different developmental stages to an extent but they kind of there is like we have social expectations on how we should connect and when you're long distance it can be hard to fulfill some of those particularly the more intimate ones because it's like you're over zoom or on the phone a lot or even there are still a few people that do write letters I know that's hard to believe but there are a few the old romantics oh just trying to implement that and also people who used to have a lot of dirty talk not just long distance like ones who are able to see each other more regularly even live together and that and you find some couples when they live together they their dirty talk might dry up because they think oh I don't need to do this now we've achieved this goal we're living together we're married we've got kids or something and that and they they wonder where the intimacy goes so I'm like I try and help and guide them to like remember when they were like at the starting stage and redevelop some of those skills that they had such as dirty talk or going on dates there is so much more deeper work that goes on but it is helpful to like um just try and keep up old habits that made things fun oh yeah because we forget about it doesn't it gets by the wayside when once you've moved in with each other or you know you're living with each other or seeing each other regularly that kind of thing I I can see being one of the first things to go but it's actually quite a nice way to keep the intimacy up because you're you're communicating aren't you yeah and also I know it's a lot of couples who come to me who have like intimacy issues or their relationships not going so great anymore is because they went into the relationship and for the first six months to year or two they had these expectations of each other to fulfill Hmm. and all of a sudden that sometimes just goes because of like some big change like work or marriage or something and they wonder this isn't the person I was originally signed up for you know a relationship with I still love them but I'm really confused so it's like helping them remember they used to do certain things is helpful such as they talk but also learning that they might have to do things a bit differently as well to what they used to Mm. Is there anything people should avoid when it comes to dirty talk? So don't tell someone to do something dangerous. I, I've heard a lot of dirty talk where people have instructed, like particularly who are into femdom and that been instructed to do dangerous things. We don't really want to up the amount um, of people at A&E at the moment. No. <laughs> if someone says no, they're not in the mood, don't keep pushing it. If 
you don't understand why someone doesn't understand your fantasies when you're discussing them in dirty talk give them time to process it don't rush them again because you've probably heard it before but you've thought about it for a long time they've only just been introduced to it Mm. Uh, it can really turn people off if you encounter any icks during dirty talk understand that you're both different individuals and you can't be the same person Mm. that's not the point of a relationship or even a sexual interaction isn't meant to be you're not meant to be the same person yeah just just have fun and if you do make mistakes don't over worry about it too much because everyone makes mistakes when it comes to like communication so yeah and you're not being recorded it's not like you're charging one pound a minute for them to chat to you so it's it's a lot of pressure off when I was working we used to do um I used to do phone sex and it was like one of those tawdry lines where half of it was going off to the phone operator and one of the biggest lessons I learned was the same lesson when I learned it doing improv was always to yes and so so when they were like oh are you into tickling the first time I was like oh mate, I can take it or leave it deadline no money for little Miri Kane then the second time I tried it and they were like oh you into tickling I was like oh yeah and what else and it was like Boom, there was my dinner money. Brilliant. Just keep them on the line. <laughs> you say that as well. And it's like it is all about like your tone and voice and that. And you've got to yeah. sound enthusiastic as well. And yeah. that helps. And um if you're like very stuttery and nervous, okay, it takes practice as well. So don't worry about that. It's like when you've got the confidence and you learn to be able to be confident with your partner or whoever you're doing dirty talk with, you'll start learning that you'll start saying things a bit like you said, like, ooh, or like doing your tones different in your voice. And like, it'll be like you're matching your partner a bit more and you're kind of doing like a tennis relay almost of like dirty talk a bit on the tone. Yeah, so you'll you'll know when you're matching up next to a Brian Blessed compared to talking to a Megan Fox. So (laughs) you just have to to tame it right. (laughs) What about in the bedroom itself? So you're getting together, things are getting nice and steamy. Can it be, you know, when people start doing a bit dirty talk in the actual bedroom itself? Because no one likes silent sex. That's very creepy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> where, where can we start when we're when we've actually gotten all our clothes off so if you're having just everyday let's say penetrative sex or something you could just whisper into your partner's ear if you're doing like kinky sex you can find out who's got the more submissive or dominant role and then that helps you put you into a mindset yeah if you're really stuck Board games do work. There's a lot of board games with like tips and tricks. Board games? Yeah. Which board games? So Love Honey's generally got some good ones going. I often just recommend people go pop onto there to have a look and things because there's often something that's got new good ideas and they're often trying to keep up to date with like a bit more inclusivity and stuff and uh, modern ideas and I haven't seen as many from other places for a while, so maybe I need to like start reviewing some of those again. <laughs> Get on the kinky board game track. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone wants to send me a free copy, I'm more than happy to take one on. <laughs> it's all good fun, isn't it? In the name of science. Yeah, exactly. In the name of science. Thank you. Yes. 
if there was anything that clinical sexologist Ness Cooper could go back in time to tell little Ness Cooper, the person who's staying up at midnight and working for a sex worker doing their erotic content, what would be your top tip for her? Uh, don't always try and go with stereotypes because then you trap yourself. Just be you. <laughs> because it's like, <laughs> even when I was like younger and that, because I've not just that work and that, like worked as a sex educator, done indie sex education, going into from my late teens to early 20s. I originally, late teen me, thought, oh, sexy fireman, sexy nurse, stuff like that. No, no, it, it's more than that. People don't get turned on just by that. It's like more about like how you connect with them than just putting on an outfit and going... I'm now a sexy police officer or something. It's like just how you interact and read them and the body language and respond to be present with what they're saying as well. Yeah, that's really good advice. That's something that we've learned here, I think. The more, because we get um, a lot of people who work with OnlyFans and do a lot of social media content. And the one thing that's sort of like becoming clear is that they're like, they're not custom. I don't create customers. I create a community and, and it's more about how they're talking to people and talking with people and, and yeah, and creating this aura around them with other people. I mean, that's why I couldn't do it these days because I fucking hate everyone. So <laughs> I'm just going to leave them to it. <laughs> oh, Ness Cooper, thank you so much for all your fabulous information. If people want to find you, where can they get hold of you? Um, so currently you can find me for sex and relationship therapy at nestcooper.co.uk and I also offer uh, clinical CPDs and training for therapists and sexual health practitioners at uh, thesexconsultant.com. Brilliant. Thank you so much for joining us on today's Smut Drop. Thanks for having me. My thanks to Ness Cooper. Very interesting about the science of dirty talk. And I think it is really important to remember that you don't have to just go straight to the end with these things. It's so much nicer to build up the arousal, start off slow, you know, have a little little moment in the middle and then build it up like a roller coaster. It's, it's not about the finishing. It's about all the arousal in between. Oh, sounds very sexy, doesn't it? <laughs> Might have to join in one day. I have been rummaging through the fun bags for saucy tales of phone sex and you have not let me down. Uh, so Ali on Instagram, they said, I learned the hard way not to have any kind of app or messenger that takes what someone has written to you and shows the text on your computer screen. Oh, <laughs> oh that sounds painful. Ali, I know your pain. <laughs> I remember there used to be a certain little message messenger that you would close and it would just sit at the bottom of your page but then when someone messaged you it would open up with the text there and then and let me tell you if someone was looking at your screen (laughs) I've lost a couple of jobs that way Mind you, I've also gained some too. Come on. Uh, Jenna on email, she says, my friend at school used to call the premium numbers and record them. Oh, 
Yeah, we're both showing our age there, Jenna. We both remember premium numbers and recording them and then making copies onto cassettes. Oh, we're definitely, definitely from the 80s. She says he sold them for a fiver each and made a bundle. I would have bought one of those. I would have definitely (laughs) handed him my money to find out what was on those premium numbers. Dave uh, has also emailed and says, I used to call the late night numbers you would see on TV. I know the ones, Dave. Oh, wait, now, one, two, two, two. I know the ones. Until I saw the priest chatback sketch on Father Ted. <laughs> I just couldn't get a hard on with that in my head every time. <gasps> oh, <laughs> if you want to chat to priests your old age or just find out the gossip. And it was such a great pastiche of those those premium rate numbers. <laughs> No wonder you couldn't get hard on after thinking of that, Dave. Oh, next week, we're going to be talking about role play. What is your favourite? What's been the most surprising scenario you've ever found yourself in? Have you ever got had to go above and beyond? You can tell me all. Honestly, I've been handed scripts in the past, so you, you can't surprise me. You can slide into my DMs. Just look out for Miranda Kane on Twitter, TikTok and Instagram, or email smutdrop at metro.co.uk. I've been Miranda Kane. Smutdrop was produced by Pineapple Audio Production for metro.co.uk. And if you are enjoying this weekly dial tone of loveliness in your ear holes, then please leave me a nice review. And in the meantime, I'm going to be back to prick up your ears next week. And remember, I don't do anything I wouldn't do, but if you do, then name it after me.